Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Live from a Zoom call emanating from Lando Lakes, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, and Austin, Texas. It's the new day. Feel the power. Take it away, guys. Hey, guys. So uh, this episode is going to be a bit different today. I know most of the time we are uh, very, very jokey, just very fun, a little serious, but not too much. I feel like this one's going to be a little more serious. We're going to talk about uh, the topic of mental health, um, how to deal with it, um, how we deal with it. We have a special guest, Dr. Jada, coming on to talk to us um, a little later about this. So we have an actual professional uh, because as we've stated many times, we are not that. Um, but thank you guys for being here. I am Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. And I am Kofi Kingston. And I am Big E. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, just to kind of speak to why we decided to do this, um, I... Uh, did not know Daphne. I'm not sure if the two of you uh, had, but um, obviously I, I I grew up a big WCW fan and watched her as a kid, was entertained by her, and her passing uh, hit hard. Even though I didn't know her, she's a member of our community. You know, I whether you work in WWE or not, uh, you know, I feel a certain kinship with anyone who decides to take up professional wrestling and, uh, you know, supply their, their, their trade. And, uh, we're all a, a part of this and, uh, you know, her passing, even though I had never met her seeing the amount of love, the outpouring of love from people who did know her, it was clear that she was special to a lot of people that she meant a lot to a lot of people. And, uh, knowing that she was in so much pain before she left this earth, was something that really uh, shook me. And I think we all just felt like it was appropriate to to have a conversation uh, about mental health, about some of the things that we've dealt with, about some of our struggles, um, just to, to have a discussion. And hopefully this is helpful for, for people. Um, you know, we're sorry that this isn't the, the fun, frivolous episode, but this felt very important for us and uh, something that, that uh, I think we all were, were very much on board with uh, as far as just being open about. I guess one of the first things that we can jump into is uh, do either of you feel comfortable talking about any, any hard times that you may have had in life? Because I feel like there's this this idea like, oh, you know, you're a part of WWE. You're this larger than life personality, this wrestler on TV. Like nothing can ever shake you. There's there's no problems in your life. Like everything's all good. Um, but that's, that's definitely not the case. Uh, so if either of you, if you'd be comfortable 
talking about anything that you may have dealt with. Because I think one of the hardest things to do is is be open. And I don't know, maybe us being a little more open might help somebody else be a little yeah. more open with their friends and people, you know? No, of course. Um, and I think, you know, you guys have known me for a long time now. And uh, we've had discussions, too. And and that, one of the reasons, too, that I love you guys as well is because uh, our relationship and our bond goes so much further than just work. And we're able to talk about life. We're able to talk about what we've gone through. Uh, but for me, mental health is really just wildly important because I feel like it's such a big part of my journey, of, of who I am. Um, and, you know, for, I know I have friends who really struggle with anxiety. For me, my real struggle was depression. And it's been a, essentially a lifelong uh, struggle in many ways. And, and I've been extremely blessed the last several years to have found uh, the tools that I needed to, to grow. Uh, I've been blessed to find meditation or whatnot. Um, but man, I, I think back to some of my very first memories. I think back to, I remember vividly being nine years old and looking in the mirror and having this very profound total feeling that I hated who I was and I wanted to be anyone but me. And uh, just this real feeling of self-loathing that kind of carried with me throughout most of my life into like my teenage years, into my college years. Um, I just, I think the way I was raised, just the way I learned about the world, my idea of masculinity and what it meant to be a man meant you bottled up your problems, you didn't speak about them. You certainly didn't cry in public. You shouldn't really cry at all. Uh, I just learned from a very early age to keep these things to myself. And the result of that was feeling very much alone and feeling that I was broken, that something was very wrong with me. Um, you know, I, I went through, I've spoken before many times about being introverted and I still am for the most part, but especially as a kid, uh, I very much kept to myself and very much just handled things on my own or, or thought I was handling them on my own. Um, but really just when I really, really hit a wall was at age 19. And that, when I was at 19, I was at the University of Iowa playing football. I had just come off my second ACL surgery. And I think for me too, football was my dream. That was the one thing that I had always loved, that I had always wanted, um, that made me excited about life. Uh, and it felt like my body was betraying me, that it was being taken away from me. So to have the first ACL tear at 18, to work all the way back, to, to have another one, to feel like my dream was slipping away. And then also to, I, I think to have just, whether it was brain chemistry or whatever it was, but also just having my prior issues with depression and self-loathing, just things really got much worse for me at age 19. And I'm just really grateful that I had uh, my defensive line coach at Iowa, uh, Ron Aiken, saw that something was wrong with me. And he never really said anything besides, I think you should see someone. And uh, I ended up seeing uh, who a man named Marvin Sims, who was a man who saved my life, just an incredible human being. 
And he essentially was just kind of, uh, I suppose, a bit of a, a life coach who was just always around the program. So I'd always seen him at practice. I knew he was, spoke to him briefly. So there was a little bit of a feeling of trust. But I, again, I'm someone who didn't think sharing my problems was something I wanted to do. I was very resistant to the idea. And essentially, the only reason I went to therapy and, and talked about my issues or my problems was because I was forced to. And it just took several sessions to get me to, to finally open up. But uh, over time, I learned to trust him. But I also learned that I had a real issue. So uh, I used uh, Marvin, I talked to Marvin for my talk therapy, but then I also went to a doctor, to a psychiatrist who uh, actually prescribed me medication. And uh, I was diagnosed, I think at age 19, with major depression with psychotic features. Uh, my depression was so severe and ever-present that at times I would hallucinate and see things and I could determine, all right, these are hallucinations, but uh, you know, it was, it was something that really plagued me. And uh, for me, I think having some separation from, from that time period has allowed me to, I can kind of view it more objectively, but I do think back to that time and the best way to describe it was a daily hell. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Those years for me from ages 19 to 23 were very, very hard. Um, I'm someone who, man, for a while, for several years, pretty much without fail, every single day, I had some suicidal thought, some thought that I don't want to be here. I don't want to be alive. I can't keep doing this. I got to a point where it just felt untenable. Like I just can't, I can't survive like this. And uh, man, I, I had struggles with, you know, sometimes you go to sleep and you hope, all right, I'll start the day on a good footing. But man, I would, I would have these nightmares, these vivid nightmares, and it just feels like your brain is betraying you. It doesn't feel like you have an opportunity to get out of this, to, to be free of this. And uh, it got to the point where we tried medication, tried a bunch of things. Some things made me feel like a zombie. Some things didn't work, playing with different levels of medication. But uh, eventually, over time, after dealing with so many ups and downs with different medications, uh, eventually I was prescribed nortriptyline uh, for my depression and risperidol or risperidone uh, for uh, psychosis as well. And uh, over time that helped, but uh, there were times too where it just didn't. And uh, at one point in, I think it was 2007, I ended up having to, just cause I, I got to a point where I felt either something has to drastically change or I'm not going to be alive much longer. And I also had uh, great roommates too, who, uh, you know, pulled me aside and they asked about me and they, they knew something was very wrong. But uh, I went to, I got to a point where uh, the psychiatrist that I'd been seeing told me, you know, if things ever get too bad, we also can check you into a psychiatric facility, into a psych ward. So uh, I got to a point where the medication wasn't helping, um, where I was just, I felt like I was at a real low. And even though I just had these suicidal ideations, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to cause my family and friends for the pain by, you know, killing myself. Uh, so I decided to check into the psych ward for a week, still in college, but I, you know, I, like books, classes, 
at that point were just had to be put on hold. So I did that for a week, was hoping things got better. They released me, but they really weren't that much better. And then my last resort was doing uh, ECTs, which is uh, electroconvulsive therapy. And uh, essentially, um, I don't want to fully explain the whole process because I don't want to get it wrong. But uh, I remember I did nine sessions. Uh, I was in there for three weeks. So I did the one week stint, came back for another three weeks. And during that three week stint, we would do three, EC three rounds of ECTs. Uh, so a total of nine. So three a week for nine. And that was also awful. Uh, just being put under, uh, under anesthesia. I remember being extremely nauseous afterwards. So you just kind of sit in a chair and don't really move. You know, that, that was awful. It was just the whole process was, was awful. Um, being in there, not being able to use my phone, not being able to listen to music. Cause for me, music has always been an escape. And, uh, also, you know, just being in there with just people, from people with eating disorders to people who had schizophrenia, just just being in uh, that facility with just people who are really struggling. Uh, and I was one of them. You know, I didn't feel like I was better or different. I was I was one of them and I, I needed to be there. Uh, so after that, uh, I there was never for me, there was never a eureka moment or a, a light bulb went off. I assume over time, the ECTs uh, essentially worked, uh, eventually worked. The medication, I think eventually worked. But, uh, you know, I just kept seeing uh, Marvin, kept going to therapy. And things took forever, took a long time, very slowly got better to the point that it was more manageable. Um, and then I was able to get off medication around the time I uh, got signed with WWE and around age 23, uh, I stopped using medication, but I was still really struggling with my mental health often, you know, not as bad as it had been, not, you know, not the real depth of my depression, but over time, I think uh, things got better. And it was hard for me, you know, sometimes people tell you to stick around, things will get better. But in the midst of that hell, that was a message that was very hard for me to receive or to think was even remotely possible. I remember Marvin once asked me, where do you see yourself or what do you think your, your life will be? And I, I told him like, if, if I'm alive, I'll probably be homeless on the streets, just doing the best I can to, to keep my head above water. I never, ever could have foreseen life turning around for me the way it has. I could not have foreseen at age 20 that I could find some peace in my life, that I could do something that I really enjoy. Uh, it was, I even feel in many ways that I'm underselling. It was an extremely difficult, horrible time for me over many years. And, you know, sometimes people talk about having a, a mental breakdown. And for me, it, it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like, oh, this is just a bad period in your life. It felt very much like this is who I am. I am someone uh, who is just depressed, just deeply, profoundly depressed, who is self-loathing. Uh, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the support system that I had because if I didn't have that support system, 
I, I don't know if I'd still be here. I don't know how I could still be here. Uh, I feel thankful for the people who essentially made me go to therapy, who, who were there for me, um, for Marvin. Um, my, my one regret, I always tell myself my only regret in life is I kept waiting for this moment that I, I got called up to the main roster or I made it just this moment where I could call Marvin and tell him, thank you so much for saving my life. I made it and it's because of you. And uh, I waited too long. Um, he passed away uh, years ago. Uh, he, I didn't know really at the time that he really was, was battling cancer, uh, but he's an amazing human being, really saved me and I'm extremely grateful for him. And I hope he knew uh, how much he meant to me and uh, the fact that I'm still here and everything else that I can ever do in life is only because he was so kind to me, because he was so good to me. And uh, so, yeah, this is this is why uh, I often talk about uh, meditation. I often talk about mental health because these things saved me. I wouldn't be alive. I wouldn't be here without it. And uh, I I'm extremely grateful. But I also, I feel such a kinship with people who also struggle with mental health, whether it be depression, anxiety, other things, because I know just how God awful it is, how, how much it, like there, there will never be anything in my life that's as, as, as hard as that, that time. And I think for so long, I felt a real shame and a real brokenness. So I didn't want to talk openly about this because I thought people would judge me or that anything that I said or did moving forward would be discredited because, because of something wrong with me or I'm off or I'm broken or, or however you want to put it. But I, I felt it was necessary to have this conversation just because, you know, maybe this isn't for everyone. You know, maybe there are people who won't gravitate towards this, who don't feel they need it, but if this helps someone, one person, if this at all is useful, then I think it's an important conversation um, because I, I feel I'm in such a good place now and I am so incredibly grateful for, man, even there's so many people along the way who have helped me who probably have no idea they helped me. You know, the fact that you guys have been real brothers, have been incredible um, who have been that support system for me has helped me a tremendous amount. But I really just can't reiterate, I never foresaw getting out of that god-awful period in my life. I didn't see a, a way out. It just didn't seem remotely possible. And I don't want to sit here and preach to people that things will get better. Because when you, I remember being deeply depressed, extremely depressed, wanting to die every day. And someone coming along saying, put a smile on your face or things will get better. Feels so extremely hollow when you don't feel like you have control of your mind, of your life, of your ability to be happy. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that we also wanted to have a conversation with, with Dr. Jada, who could actually lend people uh, professional help, could, could speak to the best way out uh, for people. But I just wanted to speak to my experience. Um, I think my mental health will be something that I will have to work on for the rest of my life, but it's good work. It's beautiful work. It's enriching work. I am so incredibly glad that I found meditation, that I found self-love, that I found the ability to speak 
openly and honestly with people that I trust and love about what's going on in my head. I'm so grateful that uh, I found a job that I love, that I found a purpose in my life. Because um, for so long I felt directionless. I felt like I had little to no value in my life. And uh, I'm grateful that I made it out because it was an extremely awful, difficult time in my life. And there was no, like I said, there, there was no eureka moment. There was no, the lights all turned on for me. It was just doing the work, having good people around me, getting the help that I needed. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, I'll say, um, first of all, I mean, I know we've, you know, had these discussions, but um, I think this is really the first time that, uh, you know, at least that I've heard really in depth of of what it is that you were going through and, and how you were feeling. Um, and, you know, just having the courage to come on here and share that, I think is amazing, you know, because uh, I'm sure like a lot of people will uh, most definitely benefit from hearing your your journey, you know, so thank you for that. Uh, for me, um, you know, we, we I, I give, I always give the example of uh, like WrestleMania when, uh, you know, we all get out there and uh, you hold me up. And I remember as I'm about to start crying, I look over and I see Woods and Woods is all, you know, tears down his face and everything. And at that very moment, I'm like, oh, I can't cry. I have to be there and I have to be strong. And I think that's the way that I normally deal with, um, you know, it, it applies to kind of the way that I've like, I don't want to say like lived my life, but I've always been the one to feel like I have to be the strong one. You know, I can't be like similar, you know, feelings that you had about showing emotion and being weak, you know, or, um, allowing yourself to be seen in a, in a, in a vulnerable way. And not because like, well, it makes me less of a man, but more so like, I feel a lot of the time I feel the burden of having to be strong for someone else or for the, the entire situation or for the benefit of the group or for whatever, um, for, for whatever it is. And I think, yeah, you actually had a quote on, on Twitter E last week and it had said, uh, don't be afraid to be a burden to somebody, you know? And that really like stuck out with me because I'm like, man, that I feel that all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I don't want people to have to worry about me. You know what I mean? And all of us, you, you see the smiles that we put on our faces and we get by and we get along and we're laughing and we're joking. Um, but really you don't have any idea of what is going on in that person's life. You know, what that smile is like covering up and I'm no different than anybody else. You know, for as much as I joke around, there's a lot of stuff that I deal with that I just don't really allow to like come to the surface because I don't want to be a burden. And especially knowing that I have you two, you know what I'm saying? Like two people that I can lean on um, with anything and I'm comfortable going to you guys with anything. Uh, but it definitely is a, uh, a hurdle for me to, uh, you know, 
to, to, to ask for help. I can't stand asking for help. I hate asking for help, you know? Um, but I don't know. I think, uh, you know, like I was saying, hearing, hearing you talk about your experience and again, like that quote, like I've thought about it like several times this week about like not being afraid to be a burden. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like people should take that very seriously. You know, uh, I was talking to another person on the roster because someone had actually come to me and they were kind of in like this, uh, you know, having, having a hard time with life, a lot of things go not going their way. And I'm not a professional at all. So I ended up reaching out to this person and he gave me somebody that she could talk to and they had their meeting, you know, and, um, I feel like I was, uh, you know, kind of an, an essential piece, hopefully, for her to kind of get back on her feet and get back to the mental state that she wanted to be in. So, um, yeah, I just think uh, be you know, being there for people, it, whether it be, you know, telling a story or just offering advice or or sending being the, the the bridge that gets that person that needs help to the person that can help them can also be uh very helpful and um as far as like you, you know I, i'm not like a, i'm not like a conversationalist and we've talked about this before like you guys are a lot more like Woods, you know, you can make friends with a stranger and you guys are talking about the deepest things. You guys have known each other for 15 minutes. Be like, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a quality that I do not have. And I know I don't have that. Like, I, I know that's not me. So, um, it was a little bit difficult for me to kind of like step outside of myself to put myself in a position to be able to get her the help that she needed. And a lot of that, Granted, it's not the same thing that your your quote E was uh, addressing, but I think it kind of helped me like push myself in the right direction to be able to give someone else that help. So, um, yeah, these conversations are meaningful. You know, you never know what little nugget that somebody can take and use that to propel them to do something for somebody or do something for themselves. So. Um, yeah, I, I I know that there's a lot of people out there like me who feel like they must provide for everybody. You feel like you have the pressure of the world on your shoulders, but uh, you know, don't don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, and I know I'm sitting here. I feel like a real big hypocrite saying that because, uh, like I said, I don't really I don't really ask for a lot of help or for for anything else like that. But uh, you know, finding somebody to talk to can be so helpful, and I think it's like a, a it's always a work in progress, right? It's a one day at a time thing where you're working towards your goal. And I don't think you ever get to a place where you say, oh, I'm here. Okay, I'm mentally healthy now. You know what I'm saying? It's always kind of like a work in progress. Um, but you talk about like meditation all the time. And uh, I've still been meaning to get more into meditation on a deeper level. But I do find personally that it does help to kind of breathe your way through a situation. For example, even like, Today has been like last night was awesome. You know, we had a real good match on <laughs> on on Raw. You know what I'm saying? We had this gauntlet match and went to bed feeling real good. 
woke up and all of a sudden the day just starts to break down. You know what I'm saying? Little by little, my flight's getting delayed. I get, I finally get here. My laptop is gone, you know. Um, and I'm like real frustrated. You know what I mean? Like really, really frustrated. Now, this is like when I'm supposed to get home and I'm supposed to be here and, you know, happy to see my family. And of course I am, but then I'm also feeling this like, this anger that I can't find what I need, you know? So um, took a little time to just breathe through the situation, you know, and, and it helped so much. And I don't know if I'm even doing it right, whether there is a right way to do it or not. I know that they have like instructional videos and tutorials and all that stuff. But um, yeah, just, I, I think, you know, again, talking about mental health, I just think that it's so important to, you know, give yourself a level of like, uh, like, like maintenance, you know? So I was saying, I was talking to another member of the, uh, on the roster the other day, and we were talking about um, just, you know, not waiting till you have a problem to go to see somebody and talk to somebody, just having it like be almost like a workout. You know, we work out every week, right? Like, or every, almost every day because we want our bodies to be physically fit. You know, we want to be in shape. We want to be healthy. And, so many of us neglect being mentally healthy, right? Like keeping your brain fit, keeping your mind, being at peace, you know, um, even just learning to, to focus yourself so that you can go out and achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. Like you shouldn't, you know, you'd be wise not to wait until you had a problem to do that. Instead, it'd probably be better to you know, like find someone to talk to on a consistent basis. And that way you're in the habit of, of talking and getting your emotions out there and your feelings out there. And I don't know, I just feel like that it's, it certainly is very helpful. So, um, I don't necessarily have like a, a huge or, uh, you know, like a, a, a grand like story or, or experience where I've had to deal with, um, something that's really like really incredibly overwhelming, you know? Um, but I also think that it's important to acknowledge these things because I think that what I tend to do is think, oh, well, somebody else has a problem that's bigger than mine. So I should be able to deal with this. You know what I mean? But there shouldn't be like a, a limit based or a limit set for when you uh, feel like you can go out and like get some help, you know? Whatever it is that you're going through and however you're feeling, if you go out and find someone that can help you, like you, you, you want to feel better. So I don't know. I encourage people to, uh, to, to try and, and step outside of themselves and step outside of their comfort zone to just talk, you know, it, it's helpful just to, to verbalize things and to get them out. We talk about it all the time when we're complaining about stuff, uh, and I don't want to get into like details or whatever, but one person's like, all right, yeah, well, we got it. We got it. We tried to do all this. And we're like, well, we all got to get it out because mentally you just, you want to almost just expel it from your system verbally by getting it out. I feel like in the same way that there's like affirmations, getting, you know, saying things and chants and mantras to attract positivity into your life in the same way saying things that are on your mind and getting those negative feelings and negative vibes out of your life. It kind of works the same way. And don't quote me on that. I'm just saying my own experience. <laughs> I feel like it's necessary sometimes to be able to, to vent, 
you know, and have a good support system where you can vent to. So um, I don't really know how to close out of that, but that's just been, you know what I mean? Like my, my, uh, my experience, especially as of late coming to uh, the revelations uh, that I have, especially with, with Daphne's passing and um, just seeing like how much of a positive effect that she had on so many people's lives, such a positive impact. And seeing that like she didn't feel the same way that she made people feel really kind of hit me hard too. So um, I think I'm personally, you know, just making more of a, a conscious effort to, to, to reach out, to talk to people, you know, um, to talk for my own sake and just do whatever it is that I can to kind of keep my, my mentality, you know, my, my mental just healthy, no pun intended. I think one of the important things that you said, and thank you for going into that, um, is the, uh, you know, feeling, oh, somebody else is dealing with worse, so I should be able to do this. So um, I think it's, it's always interesting, the, the idea of you're okay until you're not. And so in the same way that I feel like, you know, before match, we're going to stretch and we're going to try to figure out how to be as safe as possible as we engage in this, you know, very dangerous battle. I feel like it's also very important for people to understand that while we do this from a physical standpoint, it's also very important to do things like that from a mental standpoint. So doing mental calisthenics and working out your mind and finding the, the coping mechanisms that work for you based on whatever the situation is. And if you don't have the tools, figuring out how to find them. And uh, I feel like it can be be overwhelming sometimes, especially when you begin to actually like break it down in like an academic sense and talking about it and describing things and figuring out what your emotions mean and how to best deal with those. Um, from my my personal experience, uh, I feel like I feel like it's really weird, and I feel like we'll probably talk about it when we bring Dr. Jada on. But the the idea of of your ego and kind of getting over yourself in order to to find help, because that thought of thinking, you know, no, I should be able to do this, or um, oh, it'll be fine, I'll get to it later. Until all of a sudden, it's it's too late. So I I did have a period in my life where I uh, did feel like it was too much where I was overwhelmed and, uh, I was, I was in developmental at the time and I, um, all of these things I realized later and was able to deal with them properly. Um, I realized I had, I had attached my self worth to what I interpreted as success in wrestling. And so for X amount of years, not necessarily reaching uh, a certain goal that I had set for myself or feeling like I was progressing towards anything, then creeping in thoughts of like, are you wasting your time? Are you ever going to be good enough to do this anyway? And so taking that idea of, of how I feel at work and applying it to my entire life was, was, was my issue to an extent. And I was really lucky in the fact that I lived with uh, Tyler Breeze and Rick Victor um, because they they saw the change in me over time and were beyond there and able to help me in the way that as as very close friends could help. Because if a stranger came up to me and said, hey, you know, I think you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, whatever, you don't know me. Like, you don't know my life and like all the things that I do. And these were two guys who did know my whole life and knew everything that I did and knew that there was something wrong with me and I needed some sort of, of help. I needed some sort of attention to try to get through this. Um, 
because for, for, for me, I don't know, I've always had this, uh, this, this idea in my head that if I can attain enough knowledge about how, how the mind works and how the brain works and how it relates to the body and, you know, uh, chemical levels in the brain, even like allowing you to get off the couch, you know, on a Sunday or whatever it is, um, in my head, if I have this knowledge and I know these things and I can speak about them eloquently in an academic sense, then that means that I don't need to do this stuff. That means that I don't need therapy. It means that I don't need to talk to anybody because I know, I know how to talk about this and verbalize it. I understand everything. And it's, it's kind of this, um, I, I guess like a complex of just thinking like, since, since I know this stuff, then it'll never pertain to me, you know? And I think that was something that they really helped me get through and helped me understand like, no, like just because you know what's going on doesn't mean that you can just completely fight the battle yourself. Like you need, you need that human interaction. You need your friends. You need whatever your support group is, whatever the support circle is. And you need to be able to find your own happiness within yourself, unrelated to anything around you. Because once you're able to do that, which is, which is not, it is not an easy thing to do by any means. Um, and to, to, to kind of talk on, on what, what you were feeling, E, that, that, that place of not feeling that you're ever going to come out of it and being there for so long and sitting in it. And, and I know mine was much different from yours, which is different from Kofi's, which is different from the person listening to this. They're all, they're all different and they affect us in our, in our own way. Um, but for me, it affected me in a way of me not wanting to be around anymore. Me thinking that, um, you know, if I can't do X, Y, and Z, then like I have no purpose in life. I have no reason to be here. Continuing, it would just be continuing for no reason. And I don't feel like there's a point to any of this, you know, um, and feeling like that just, it, it, it changes you in so many ways and changes your perspective and, and brings you to places where you never, never really imagined that you would be, especially when you, when you see yourself as like, you know, I'm, I'm the strong person. Like I'm, I'm the, the rock in my group. I take care of people and I'm, I, you know, rocks, rocks don't bleed, rocks don't cry. We're, we're, we're able to hold it together for everybody around us. And, and I feel like even, even that in itself is a dangerous thought, uh, excluding yourself from that category because you have friends, you know, you know, people in the world and you know that they go through things, you know, that they're dealing with things, but you can be dealing with things too. And, and again, to bring it back, like it's always okay until it's not. And so going through all of that and sitting and talking with them, like on the daily for, for months to try to figure out like how, how to get past this. I was so incredibly lucky to have them, uh, at my side and to have them genuinely care about me and my mental state not like oh you know uh, how many how many matches can you wrestle how many bumps can you take how many miles can you drive to the next town to you know do x y and z like rather than focusing on all this wrestling stuff they took the time to help me focus on on myself and and i'll forever be grateful for that um because it doesn't it just doesn't it doesn't feel good to be there. And I know that everybody doesn't necessarily have that. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have this, this conversation on this episode, because 
being in in quarantine and missing people and understanding that you know even uh, a, a simple hug, physical touch to an extent can can brighten your mood, can give you some serotonin, can give you a boost, can make you feel a little bit better, and might be one of the things that that helps you get over to like the next hump until you find your next coping mechanism or your next human interaction that makes you feel good or your next uh, feeling a feeling of self worth that you're finding internally. All of those things are are and can be difficult to find, and so. Uh, you guys listening, we just want to make sure that you understand that it's not, you're, you're not alone in this fight. Even if you don't see someone going through it, it's kind of that, what is it? The, the Instagram is, is reality type of thing that people have in their heads. You see somebody on vacation constantly, you see them having drinks with their friends, like, oh, this person has a perfect life. Everything is great. Like, no, like you, you see what people want you to see of them. And when you have a difficulty showing that other side to people and letting that out and venting about it and talking about it, then it just, it stacks and it continues to stack until all of a sudden you can't carry it anymore. And then all of a sudden you, you, you can't do the work anymore that you were doing and you start to, you start to break apart essentially. And it's not a, it's not a good feeling. So with all that said, uh, I'd like to bring on Dr. Jada so we could talk to someone who is an expert in this field a little bit. Um, because while we can speak from our personal experiences, um, which again are all different and all, all valid and, um, all us in our, in our own way, it, we thought it would be very nice to talk to somebody who deals with this on a regular basis, talks to multiple people about it, is an expert in the field, um, has, has done the work. And, um, honestly, um, as we've talked to her before, like has, has been through some things herself and understands the importance of this. So um, we like to bring on uh, Dr. Jada at this point in time. So hope you guys uh, enjoy the talk with her. All right, guys. Uh, so there's a topic that is very uh, near and dear to us, very important to us. As you guys know, we talk about it uh, a good amount. But uh, as you know, we are not experts as we uh, <laughs> make sure you guys understand that as well. But today we've got something a little different for you. We have an actual expert. We have Dr. Jada here to help us talk to uh, talk about mental health. Um, we're going to go into a lot of things. Uh, I feel like we'll talk about uh, being in the pandemic and how that's affected people a lot. Uh, so Dr. Jada, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Austin. Hey, E, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for being here. We, uh, for people who don't know, you have actually uh, come on the road multiple times with WWE uh, and you've spoken to us and uh, we just wanted to, to bend your ear a little bit. Um, I guess one of the first things that came to mind was... Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who suffer in silence and the three of us uh, can and have spoken to our experiences. But I suppose for anyone who's listening and who is in dire need of, of help or thinking of hurting themselves, can you please explain what you would suggest, what the process is, what resources are available to someone who is in immediate need right now? Yes, um, thank you for this. You know, I am an advocate for mental wellness and understanding mental health. And I like to first kind of expose myself for a moment because I think everybody 
needs counseling and everybody needs therapy. And I'm a therapist and I have a therapist and it is not a taboo issue. And so when we're talking about, as you referred to it, hurting themselves, you know, there's a wide range of what that means. You know, it can be hurting yourself as opposed to engaging in um, negative coping skills or uh, coping strategies, which would include spending too much, eating too much, um, uh, substance abuse, those types of hurting yourself. But then there's the hurting yourself where you just don't want to be here. And life has gotten so overwhelming and just so difficult and so hard that it's better to just check out it. And um, for me, I know someone who um, it was too much for him and he did commit suicide. It was very impactful for our family. And the challenges that we had is that we just didn't know. We did not realize that there was a problem. And, and I believe that the residual outcome to not knowing that there's a problem is the guilt and the shame that goes along with not being there to help, not being there to support. So the main thing that I would say that if you are someone who is struggling with um, any form of transition, it could be COVID and you're not sure about where you stand. You're not sure about your family members. You're not sure about if COVID's going to impact your job or your stability, whatever it is. Um, seek help. Don't be afraid to reach out and at least talk to someone. And then on the flip side of that coin, I would say for those of you who start to see maybe your family members or your coworkers or your friends um, exuding these um, interesting behaviors, then of course, don't be afraid to speak up because oftentimes uh, people think that if you talk about suicide, that's going to force the person to commit suicide. And that's not necessarily true. So in your, in your time doing this, how long have you been um, working in mental health? Uh, almost 15 years now. Uh, are there any interesting changes that you may have seen, whether that's people becoming more guarded about therapy and not wanting to do it or becoming more open or, you know, there's the stigma of like males not ever wanting to talk about their problems and drinking them away or things like that. Have you seen any changes over that 15 years, for, for whether positive or negative? Um, well, I will say in the last 18 months or so, mental health has become the, the go to topic for especially the corporations that I've worked with, um, some of the professional athletes, um, the, those organizations, mental health has become the go-to issue. The challenge with, um, you know, really talking a lot about mental health and mental wellness now is now you're getting the backlash to it. And, and I will say, for example, Simone Biles, mm -hmm. you know, she said, hey, you know what? I need a mental health break. But if you notice on social media and there's a lot of feedback, oh, she copped out. Oh, she's just using mental health as an opportunity to pull out because she's not strong enough. There were all of these debates about whether or not um, it was a legitimate mental health issue or if it was something she was using as a crutch. Either way, um, if someone's strong enough to say, I'm having a mental health issue and I need to address it, I say kudos to that person because it's not something we have um, embraced at all in our culture. 
what we know, as you mentioned, Austin, you know, you said, you, you know, men um, coping in an unhealthy way, not willing to deal with emotions. Yeah, that's pretty um, accurate. But believe it or not, women have those same challenges as well, because really what we're talking about is ego. We're talking about, can I protect my ego so that this person doesn't think I'm weak or so that this person doesn't think I'm better or they're better than I am, or I'm not enough, or I am not good enough. Either way, we're all trying to protect our ego, which is why there is a stigma surrounding mental health. And I've seen some changes, but the one change that I believe still um, that needs to take place is that we need to embrace those who legitimately have mental health issues and there will not be um, a professional or career backlash. There will not be um, a, a community backlash. You know, being able to support a person regardless of their reasons for coming forth to say, hey, I'm having a mental health challenge. I, I think... Uh... One of the things, too, that, that came to mind uh, was oftentimes I think people feel overwhelmed when they hear the message, seek help. Mm-hmm. That, that can be useful, of course, but they often don't know exactly what that means or where to go to to find the right therapist or if they are thinking of hurting themselves. So as far as just, I guess, finding something more concrete, how do we help people who need that? Mm-hmm. Well, that is a great question, Eve, because I happen to be a mental health therapist. So <laughs> uh, believe it or not, uh, WWE has um, allowed me and some of my colleagues to work directly with you all. And some of you who are watching is like, oh, my God, that's my therapist talking right there. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, it's really finding someone who you can confide in that you are going to feel so safe, that you are going to feel so supported, you feel so comforted in whatever it is that you're going through that you don't have to hide. And that to me is the biggest um, relief. So how do you find a therapist? Well, um, for this community or this demographic that I'm speaking to right now, um, we're all here to help you. We have therapists who, all you have to do is pick up the phone and say, hey, I need to talk to Dr. Jada or I need to talk to, you know, fill in the blank, whoever that therapist is, and, and we can help you with that. Let's just say you don't trust um, the process and you're like, I want to talk to someone outside of, um, you know, WWE. Well, you know, there's Psychology Today is an amazing platform that all you have to do is type in the zip code and it'll pull up all of the therapists, all of the psychologists, all of the psychiatrists, anything that you need in order to get that help. Now that's professional help, but sometimes help can just be in your best friend listening and not judging. Sometimes help and support can come in the form of being able to just talk without complete judgment. And so that's just as effective. And now you say that. So uh, there was a a point in my life where I was on the side of not necessarily wanting to be here anymore. This is, 
so I, li- I lived with two guys, uh, two guys that we used to work with, uh, Tyler Breeze and Rick Victor. And without them being there for me at that point in time, I don't know if I would be here. Um, but to that, to that point, I allowed it to get to that point. I didn't seek help. I didn't ask for help. They saw my behavior change and they came to me and I just don't know what would have happened had I not had that support group. So can you talk about how important it is to try to, to circumvent getting to that point? You know, I feel like I hear people talk about, no, I don't need therapy. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm like, you know, in the middle or whatever, like how important is it to just have general upkeep and talk to someone even when you're not, you know, at, at an 11? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, great question, Austin. Um, you know, when we talk about professionals, and let me just break this down for you just for um, clarity. So personally, I'm a mental health counselor. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. And I address mood disorders, personality disorders more specifically. I like to work in the realm of cognitive behavioral therapy and positive psychology, emotional intelligence, those types of modalities. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, there are certified life coaches. Not everybody has a mental health issue. And, but everybody does go through life altering events. And so you may not necessarily need me as a, you know, licensed mental health counselor to diagnose your major depressive disorder or your bipolar disorder or your borderline personality disorder. Those are real definitive diagnoses. Um, Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're going through some form of loss and you're having a you're having difficulties wrapping your mind around this idea of life is not going to be the same as it once was okay so y- you may be able to go to a grief coach and work through some of those issues as well now that's on a spectrum so maybe you don't need mental health counseling Again, you can use something a little um, less invasive. Um, But on the flip side of that, everybody, and I do mean everybody needs somebody to talk to. And Austin, I love um, how you said, you know, you had your two friends there. You you just wouldn't know what to do if they weren't there. We have to have a support system because support and connectivity is one of the basic fundamental human needs. So if we do not have that and we're isolating or we are withdrawing from our community, of course, we are going to slip and fall into depression. And that resonates so much with me because I think back to my childhood and my idea of what it takes to be a man meant you deal with things alone. You don't talk about your problems. And over time, just bottling that up made it, made things worse for me. And I think there are so men, and, and I don't want to speak just to, to men either, but women sure. as well, who, who bottle up their problems and their issues. And I suppose, I suppose my question is, how do you get through to, if you have a friend or a partner or a family member, how do you break through that 
that just that veneer, that protective wall. Because uh, yeah. I think there are a lot of us like that who just will continue to be alone and spiral. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, I always say to those who are um, kind of identifying symptoms of depression, you know, you, you may see someone, uh, like you said, E, that's kind of withdrawing, or maybe they're sleeping a lot, or they're having, you know, difficulties getting out of bed. Maybe they're not eating, or they're eating too much. Maybe they're drinking a little bit more than usual. Um, and then from an anxiety perspective, maybe you see them, you know, shaking a little bit or um, just have kind of racing um, thoughts or language or um, their words are getting caught up and trapped um, when they're talking. And you can usually see when someone is changing. And one of the things that I always say to people who have friends who may be struggling is to, number one, leverage the relationship. And that essentially means to be able to say, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Can I can I come and spend some time with you? Um, hey, I see something's going on. Is there anything you want to talk about? How can I help you? How can I show up for you? But you can only do that if you're leveraging the relationship that you already have. I would not suggest that you go up to a complete person that you have absolutely no connection or relationship to and say, hey, I see you're struggling. How can I help you? Because you don't have the relationship there. So it's going to be important to make sure that you're leveraging that relationship. And I just believe that when people cross your path in life, you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to determine you know, how can you create the most good in this moment? And usually that's just showing up, being present. And sometimes it's just sitting, sitting with that person. This is very uh, enlightening. And I know that it's a difficult subject for a lot of people to talk about. Um, so just to speak on the, the issue you brought up earlier, saying that, you know, mental health has become such a, a hot topic and people are talking about it more. Um, do you feel like you're seeing more people in, in, in the past, you know, 18 months, like you said, that are trying to take more care of themselves before they get to a point of, I guess, no return for lack of a better term? Yeah, um, I'll be honest, Austin. By the time people come to me, they're they've either 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 spiraled out of control or something has happened to them, and they need to get um, back in control. Um, I would love it if someone said, "Hey, I'm just coming to you for preventative measures." I'd be like, "Yes, yeah. <laughs> awesome." <laughs> but um, unfortunately, by the time someone comes to see a, a mental health professional, something has gone wrong. But if we could, if we could, um, and that's something that I do, I will be honest. Sometimes I'll go to my therapist and she's like, there's nothing going on with you. I'm like, this is just, you know, I, I'm just making sure. But I'm accustomed and I'm used to doing that because I like to talk, um, as you can tell. <laughs> but <laughs> it's being able to just really flush out anything that's there that I may have missed. So, yes, if a person can um, be a little bit proactive 
in their mental health or their mental wellness, I will call it, then yes, by all means, that would be something that I would love to see them do. Um, I would also say this to your point, Austin, is that by the time someone comes to me, usually they're looking for a way to minimize the chaos in their life. And so usually what I do is I like to take a retro um, view of what has happened thus far in order to clean up any residual issues that they may have. Because remember, all of us have some form of unresolved childhood issues. Um, we call those adverse childhood experiences, and that's from a trauma-informed care perspective. And the reality is every single day, all of us experience some form of everyday trauma. And so understanding what's happening to us on a day-to-day -day basis and clearing out some of those um, emotional and psychological discomforts are going to be important. Now, let's just think about the person who does not do that. You just have trauma piled upon trauma, upon trauma, upon trauma, upon trauma, and it gets so overwhelming that they resort to unhealthy coping skills or they just don't want to be in the world at all. So again, taking a um, preventative measure for uh, mental wellness, you know, is to me would be A1. I completely am on board with therapy. I went through years of it in college. I know the value of it, but I also recognize that I was very fortunate in that I was on scholarship at Iowa and I had a support system around me and it was all paid for. And I know for a lot of people, the idea of setting aside extra money to afford therapy is something that just seems, you know, a lot of people I think don't even approach therapy because they assume it'll be too expensive. Are there options that are cheaper or are there suggestions you would have for someone who is concerned about the expense of therapy? Absolutely. Of course, there are a variety of different community outreach services for mental wellness. Um, I would also say there are tons of churches who um, for $25, you can go in and have a session. And if you do not have that uh, resource of even $25, they will see you um, for free. And so there are options. And here's something that I think is important to address as well. For insurance, even if a person has the best insurance ever, um, insurance usually only covers 7% of all medical issues for mental wellness, mental health. And to me, that's very low. Um, sometimes they will give you four to six sessions. It just depends, but it can be challenging. So I would say, you know, look toward those um, options where there are free services that have really great therapists. You know, I'm here in Dallas and we have several uh, community um, outreaches and op options that allow that. So I just think that um, overall, if you can do that, that would be helpful as well. To bring it back to the uh, the preventative measures, mm -hmm. um, 
it's it's one of those things I feel like, like you said, you know, getting over ego, getting over the, you know, I'm fine. I can do this. I can handle this. Everything is, everything's good with me. I can, I can work. I can do family stuff. I can, you know, travel. I can, I can do a million things and burn the candle at both ends and I'll be fine. Um, uh, the, the idea of, you know, taking care of our bodies, for instance, you know, we go in for like physicals and, you know, exams mm-hmm. to make sure things are okay. Um, I think that a lot of people, and like, like we've said already, have that issue of, seeing it as a preventative measure that is important enough to put time into, that is important enough to put money into, that's important enough to go and try to find resources in order to, you know, find the therapist that works for you, find the price that works for you. Um, is, there, is there anything that, that you would want to say to those people that might be dealing with that issue of, do I need to go to therapy or should I, or is it going to be helpful for somebody like me in my position, things like that? Absolutely. You know, Everybody that I know that works at the highest level and um, I have the, you know, the amazing opportunity to work with um, high level executives and also high level celebrities. And the reality is, no matter how high you are or how low you are, life is still the same. You know, we still have transitional periods in our life that require us to step up to the plate to either perform, you have to be at peak performance. I believe that there are some moms who are have to be at peak performance for themselves. You know, it, it's hard being a single mom or it's hard raising four children or um, maybe even just one child. But regardless of where you are, I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Life does not give you a break simply because you've attained certain levels of life or or certain levels of success. And regardless of who you are, what you have, how much you own, or how much you don't have, when your mom dies, that's a real issue. And everybody at some point will find themselves in that situation. I mentioned this before, my dad passed away three years ago now. And boy, when I tell you that was one of the the most difficult times that I had gone through, that those are real life issues. And so those issues, it does, they don't say, hey, you know what, just because, you know, you're Dr. Jada and you have so much information about mental wellness and how to manage these issues, I'm not going to touch you. You know, I'm just going to step back and let you coast through this. No, that's not how it works. We all have to face life and mental wellness is about how effectively you have curated your toolbox of emotional management tools to get through life. Some people coast through and they're like, yeah, I've been working on this for years. I understand it from an emotional perspective. I understand it from a psychological perspective. And here are my tools. And I know what I'm going to do. And other people, not so much. They have a meltdown when the kids don't do what they need to do or a meltdown if the boss says something negative at work. But the truth is, what have you done to learn to manage your emotions. Because personally, I believe in individual and personal responsibility. And to me, that's exciting. 
And it's exciting because I get to manage my emotions. And regardless of what you do, regardless of what you say, I'm still in control. And to me, that's power. 100%. We're, we're almost out of time with you, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, I got one more, one more thing for you. So as far as, as people coming to terms with uh, being okay, going to therapy, uh, being okay, uh, you know, pouring their heart to somebody else. Uh, you talked about the the emotional toolbox. And so everybody having different childhoods, different upbringings, being able to, to develop these coping mechanisms and then realizing, oh, you know, I see my friend, they're doing like the same things that I am, but I'm more stressed out. What is the difference between them and me not realizing it's it's deep seated? You don't have the, the wrench or the, you know, the hammer that you need in order to deal with that. So um, is, there, is there anything that you could say on the topic of, um, people that might not have those tools or to people that even do have those tools, you know, how is important, how important is it to keep that toolbox fresh? Oh, that's good, Austin. That is such a good question. <laughs> like keep the toolbox fresh. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about stress and, and I'm going to go to stress as kind of a common issue that we all deal with, because if we can't manage our stress response, Usually we spiral out of control and we're unable to manage our emotions. So when I talk about that stress response, you know, it's fight or flight. Um, you know, I always give the example of in the center of the brain, there's that small area, the amygdala, that that's where um, our fight or flight kicks in. The distress signal is sent. Once that distress signal is sent from the amygdala over to the hypothalamus, then what happens is norepinephrine is released into the adrenal glands. Once that norepinephrine is released into the adrenal glands, then we start to experience that moment of stress. That's when cortisol is released into our bodies. Our heart starts to pound. Our thoughts begin to race. You know, we're like, okay, no, what am I going to fight or am I going to start running? What's going to happen here? Well, remember, this is perfect for us physically. Let's say if a dog is running after us or we find ourselves getting ready to get into a car accident, we slam on the brakes. Right. But this also happens emotionally when we are emotionally threatened, when we are psychologically unsafe that same trigger kicks in. And so when we're talking about managing those stressors, we have to be able to recognize what are our triggers. And in order to create a healthy toolbox for our emotional management, we need to first identify what are our triggers. Um, and an example for me would be, I grew up in a domestic violent home. My dad was very abusive to my mom. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. I understand that when someone begins to yell at me, I am probably going to start swinging. I mean, I'm going to start throwing hands immediately <laughs> because <laughs> that's kind of my trigger. Because to me, that means a raised voice means that I am unsafe. Well, I've worked through a lot of that. And I'm beginning, I started to understand that, okay, so I can manage this. And when someone raises their voice, then I can go, oh, okay, so this is not necessarily about me. I can manage the emotion. Let me find out what's going on with them. So what that is, is a stop method. And the stop method is a powerful method that we can use when we feel like we are being attacked when we feel like someone is disrespecting us, when we feel like someone has crossed a boundary, when someone is doing something to us where we feel that we are in danger emotionally, psychologically, physically, 
whatever. And that stop method, this is, and this is something you can put in your toolbox. It's S, stop, T, take a deep breath, because taking a deep breath, what happens when you take in that deep breath, oxygen is released into the brain and the brain automatically signals to the rest of the body to relax. It's an automatic process because remember, once that stress response kicks in, everything is uptight, the adrenaline is rushing, and we have to move. Well, hold on for a second. I'm recognizing my trigger and I need to relax. So I'm going to stop myself, take that deep breath. The O and stop is to observe what's going on around me. I'm really not in danger. Okay. I, it just appears that I'm in danger because I'm being triggered. So since I understand and know my triggers, I'm not going to become emotionally hijacked. So I allow myself to take a step back. And then the P and stop is proceed with caution. And I would always have to tell myself to do that simply because um, you may not know it. I clean up pretty well, but my husband tells me I am the, the most ghetto intelligent person that he knows. <laughs> and that is because I did grow up uh, in the hood. But, you know, um, life has been great to me and I have learned to manage those emotions and learn to uh, kind of step back and not be so quick to launch into fight. So I said all of that to say stop. The stop method is part of the toolbox. Other parts of the toolbox um, would be facing your fears. Being willing to sit in the pain, sit in the discomfort and recognize that everything's really going to be okay. I'm probably over catastrophizing this moment. Um, exercise. And you, you all know that that's part of a toolbox. Meditation, prayer, part of your toolbox. Journaling, part of your toolbox. Talking to someone, part of your toolbox. There are many coping skills that can be a part of your toolbox. So I encourage all of you and challenge you to start using those coping skills and using that toolbox on a regular basis and training your emotions and your thoughts to go in a direction that you want. I had a uh, psychology professor who was very much focused on the idea of the toolbox and, you know, keeping your tools clean. Uh, if, you know, they always say, you know, a carpenter, has a certain amount of tools to do their job and their job is, you know, building things. So they have all these things in order to build. So like, if you don't have those tools, you cannot build this emotional house for yourself and it's harder to take care of you. So thank you for, for speaking so eloquently on that point. Um, but unfortunately that's all the time we have with you today, Dr. Jada, this is, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, for real. Thank you so much. Thanks. Where, where, where can people find you if they want to contact you or see more information on what it is that you do? Absolutely. They can go to totallifecounseling.com. And then I am on um, Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jada Jackson and also on Instagram at Total Life. Fantastic. Uh, do you have anything else coming up that you want to tell the people about? The, the floor is yours for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I do have a really cool uh, television show coming up that's going to air on TBS. Yeah. Awesome. What? Yeah. So um, we we were in Costa Rica for 30 days shooting that. And if you want, you can go on my Instagram and see all of that. But um, I'll be with Jojo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers, who the three of us are taking on this project. So it'll air in uh, 2022. So I'm excited about that. So look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when it comes out, we, we can uh, bring it up again. 
We're still yeah, we're still yeah. doing this podcast thing. <laughs> That's right. And please bring me back. I love this. I absolutely love uh, being a part of this with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it for real. Thank you for your time. Definitely, one hundred percent. And I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. I'd like to say thank you again to Dr. Jada for being here, being a part of this, and uh, hopefully you listening uh, got something out of it. And we know, like we, like you said at the top, this wasn't our normal, you know, frivolous, ridiculous. Uh, hyper over the top podcast because we just wanted to take some time and uh, feel like we've got this platform to possibly help some people and so we feel like it's it's important to use it so we just want to say thank you for for listening thank you for being here and uh, and we hope that if you are having a rough time you are able to find the help you need and whether it's through you know, talking to, uh, to Dr. Jada or anybody else or a friend, a family friend, what have you. Um, we hope that you're able to find the, the comfort that you need. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And please, if you're suffering, if you have a, a, someone close to you, a family member, a friend, please seek help on their behalf. Please do everything in your power. Man, life is precious. Our time here on earth is precious. Please get the help you need, man. I, for so long, I couldn't see the value in myself and I'm so grateful that I'm still here. And we want the same for all of you. So please take care of each other, take care of yourselves and uh, get the help you need. Uh, Just to echo everything that Woods and E had said, um, I agree with that 100%. And again, to anybody out there who does need help, uh, the Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. That's 273-TALK. And take the steps in getting yourself the help that you need. Because there's a lot of people out there who, who care about you, you know? So get yourself some help if you feel like you need it.